Welcome to Drop the Hammer. Today is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. We're Teddy Radquist and Ben Schur. And Ben, how's it going? Going good, Ted. Uh, did you see Tyler Reddick's Dolly Parton car? Hey, I mean, he must must be a big fan, right? I uh, th- thought that'd be a little before his time, but I guess not. I guess so, yeah. He definitely wasn't alive during her heyday, but, uh, yeah, I mean, good thing the drivers can't see the hoods of their cars because I think it'd be frightening and very much uh, distracting to see a big old picture of Dolly, Carton, uh, Dolly Parton on the hood of my car. Exactly. It's it's probably a, a, a blessing in disguise that he can't see it like uh, – like who was it? Was it Corey LaJoy that drove the Axe car with his own face on it? Oh yeah, that that one had to be a distraction too. I definitely think uh, Dolly Parton takes a, a close second in the wackiest paint scheme of the year so far. Oh yeah, and there's you know the season's young. There's a lot of time for people to raise or or lower the bar, however you want to look at it. Yeah, for sure. And you know to get to get right into you know what we saw at, at Texas here. Flat out, I loved it. I thought it was the best racing we've seen with this new package yet. You know, we were fortunate that we were actually able to get to watch it together this this weekend, the first race of this season that we've watched together. I really liked it. What did you think of the racing, man? Yeah, I, I, it was the first positive direction that the uh, package has shown. You know, it's kind of been iffy, you know, whether the racing was better, but it looks like, uh, at least at Texas, it really helped the racing. And it was, you know... I, lo- I love being wrong about predicting bad races because I'm two for two on those so far. But um, I, you could you could see it. You know, it kept the racing nine closer together. But there was opportunities for cars to pass, and they did a good job with that uh, traction compound on the uh, outer lane where it would come in, and you could make passes on the outside or the inside. It was it was still pretty difficult, but the passing was there, and uh, I believe Steve Phelps on. Uh, Dale Jr.'s podcast yesterday said that they doubled the uh, passes for the lead and just passes in general from last year's spring race to this year's. So pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff there from the package. Yeah, I like that you brought up that uh, that track bite they laid down. I think it, I think it really made a difference because we saw a couple of drivers that that really did a lot of their damage going high. You know, Eric Jones made a lot of moves on the outside and he busted through with his best performance since Atlanta. And then you know, Jimmy Johnson. Early in the race, he was just just dominating turns one and two. So I think, you know, to get back more on Eric Jones, that was a major bounce back performance for him. Your eliminator pick last week, it was, you know, something he really needed, I think, after really a four race slump with Joe Gibbs. You think about it and um, it seemed like most of the guys uh, who needed a good finish got a good finish this weekend it was a great redemption weekend for a lot of guys yeah um, they there were guys who stepped it up your your eliminator pick daniel suarez he got third eric jones fourth jimmy johnson fifth eric or uh, william byron sixth you know you got guys who really everyone was kind of we we even talked about it. it's like what are they gonna do like this is they need to start stepping it up or else you know maybe they're gonna have another lost season but yeah, Jimmy Johnson, it seemed like he had a really good car, especially towards the end, but I think track position still was a big deal, and he got shuffled out on a pit stop there. He had a bad pit stop and kind of set him back and really wasn't able to kind of make his way forward after that. But, um, yeah, really impressed with Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez. Those are two guys who needed big weeks because I think the pressure was on them, especially Jones with Christopher Bell, how well he's been running in the Xfinity series. So, 
Um, I think it, it's a good weekend for both of those guys. Yeah, and uh, uh, just just a little tease. We'll we'll touch on Eric Jones a little more later. And um, you know, to talk about Jimmy Johnson, it you know the his struggle's been well documented. You know, he was hasn't won a race since 2017. That was his first pole since 2016, and he really got off to a fantastic start. You know, he led. This is a stat that I know you and I know, but not maybe not all our listeners know. He led more races on Sunday than he did in his last more laps on Sunday than he did in his last 42 races combined. Yeah, that was pretty astounding. Um, you know, going to win or loser, I think you could put him in both because I think obviously he's a winner. He finally got, he got a pole. He had a strong showing something he hadn't done in a while. It's been, it's been a moment since Jimmy Johnson's been running the top 10 in a mile and a half. It might've been since, uh, since he won at Texas a couple of years ago, but, um, yeah, it was it was good to see him, but I, I think he had a winning car too. I think Jimmy Johnson, while he's kind of you know has to keep his head up because he has a, he had a strong performance. I think he also thinks you know knows he had a winning car and could have won the race if he could have stayed out front. So I think it's got a sting for him in that sense, but a well needed good run for Jimmy Johnson, and hopefully it's it's kind of a, a sign of hey maybe Hendrick and and Johnson are turning the corner and maybe they they're starting to figure that package out after struggling so hard on the uh, West coast swing. Right. Right. And, and I, I think it could be the start of Hendrick starting to figure something out, you know, seven races in this year, Joe Gibbs and Penske are the only two teams to win a race, but, and while Hendrick still hasn't gotten into to victory lane this year, you know, Johnson. And like we talked about before the race on Sunday, William Byron, he bounced back with a big day and chase Elliott it seems like Hendrick's starting to figure it out a bit, which is certainly a positive sign. Yeah. And you know, if, if it's really, if it's only the um, places where the kind of pack racing at the mile and a half, if, if that's what they just kind of figured out, that's going to help them. And it's going to be an advantage to them as the season goes on, because mm-hmm. that's where eventually, you know, we're going to run out of get tracks like Atlanta and, you know, uh, Auto Club, where it's still kind of tire wear. There's only really no a Chicago land left of those tracks, and mm-hmm. then you're gonna get into stuff like Michigan still has a repave. Kentucky's got the repave. Charlotte's really kind of retained its, you know, normal form, and they had a pretty good race uh, last year at the All Star race. But um, I don't know a guy that I wanted to talk about, and I, I saw an article how Kevin Harvick was struggling, and I thought that was an absolutely insane opinion that he was struggling this year because. I think they're basing it off of him having already having three wins at this point last year, having a, a ridiculous start, kind of what Kyle Busch is having. But like, just seeing that, seeing an article like that was kind of ridiculous because, you know, he's had two top fives outside of Daytona. He's actually had three top fives outside of Daytona. He's in, he hasn't finished outside of the top ten. While he hasn't gotten to victory lane, like he's still being consistent. Like I don't get why people are saying that. Kevin Harvick's having a struggle some year. If you want to go to Clint Boyer and Daniel Suarez, absolutely, I think that's fair game. But I think Kevin Harvick struggling while not finishing outside of the top 10 besides Daytona, which we all know it's a crapshoot. I think that's a ridiculous opinion that I saw um, an article put up. I believe it was by NBC this week. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think, I think this is a, a situation where Kevin's probably really more a, a victim of his own success than anything. Like, like you said, last year he had, he had three wins at this point. 
this year he doesn't have any. So people are are seeing seeing that, and I think you know they're quick to to hit the the overreaction Monday, the day after a race. Like he still hasn't won. I I think we just need to just take it easy. Kev, Kevin Harvick's been doing this for a long time. Like you said, he's still racking up the top tens. He'll find a way to to win at least one race here. I'm very very confident in it. But I do want to transition to some truck series news and a guy I know you're big into your boy, Greg Biffle going to be driving a race here for Kyle Busch motorsports. Yeah. Biffle returning to the truck series that, that hits it back on the way back machine for sure. He, uh, I grew up watching the truck series and that's how I got into the sport. Um, and him, he was dominant in the truck series back in the two thousands and to see him back in the truck. I'm so excited. Like I, I wasn't a big fan of Greg Biffle while he was driving, but I thought he was given a pretty bad deal in his exit from Roush Fenway, seemingly unceremoniously. Uh, but I hope this opens a can of worms for Greg Biffle to get an itch to get back racing because I would love to see Greg Biffle do something like Ron Hornaday or Mike Skinner do is get the itch to come back racing and then you know, maybe go for another truck series championship. I think it'd be awesome. You know, that's the one thing I miss about today's truck series is that we don't have any of those guys who kind of went up into the cup series, maybe didn't have the most success, but they were still good drivers, kind of like Todd Bodine, Mike Skinner, Ron Hornaday, those guys I've said, uh, Jack Sprague even going back down. But I would love to see Greg Biffle um, do that. And I can't wait to see him have an opportunity to win this race because I think there's, you know, a great chance just with how talented of a driver Greg Biffle is and how good the KBM trucks they are. But I think Greg Biffle getting another shot, I think it poses a question. You know, he's Greg Biffle, in my opinion, is a borderline Hall of Fame driver who really, I think, should have strong consideration when the time comes. Maybe not now, but I definitely think he should get some Hall of Fame considerations considering the fact that he won a truck and a Bush Series championship and really maybe besides, you know, the kind of chase formats in 2005 and 2012, he really could have been the first guy to win all three championships. You know, he, he was really consistent in those years and kind of didn't do as well in the chase. So I, I want to hear what your opinion is and what the case is for uh, your case for Greg Biffle to make a Hall of Fame bid. Yeah, you know, I was I was excited when I saw that he was going to be driving for KBM too. I was I was like, man, that's a name I hadn't even thought about in a while. And and this is a really intriguing question because when I first looked at it, I was thinking Greg Biffle Hall of Fame. I don't know, but then I I really did a deeper dive into his stats. And you're right, his early two thousands truck and you know then Bush now Xfinity Series dominance was off the charts. You know. He had 16 wins, 54 top 10s in the truck series, 20 wins and 149 top 10s in the Bush series. And then he went up to the cup series and finished in the top 10 174 times. So I think Greg Biffle has, you know, a lot better case than people would realize his cup series stats, not quite as good as Dale Jr.'s, but very comparable to Casey Kane's. And then, you know, you add on the, the truck and Xfinity series, uh, truck and bush series stats on top of that he's almost like a like a kyle bush light he does a lot of the same things bush did winning races in every series just not as often as kyle has done it yeah um greg really i mean 
his his winning numbers, you know, his wins number isn't sexy. It's it's nineteen, but he he did win six races in the season in two thousand five, finished second in the standings. But just thinking of Greg Biffle, I th- I'm thinking consistency. I mean, you, I'm looking at his stats right now. In four seasons, he hit over ten top fives. You know, and he had a couple twenty. Uh, top 10 seasons he had, a, he had another one that hit 19 so the guy was so consistent I mean in the chase format kind of nowadays where the you know it's more focused on winning and even even at the regular chase where wins were going to be the difference between you winning a championship or not that kind of wasn't Greg Biffle's style and even in 2005 when he had a big year and I remember him just running up front almost every week you know, he, he still fell short. So I think if he would have done, um, if he would have came along earlier in his career, kind of like Matt Kenseth did, if he moved up kind of to the Cup Series, maybe when Kerbush did, or Matt Kenseth did, after his truck dominance, he might have had a championship underneath his belt because he is great at the point system and just being consistent and knowing how to get uh, getting something out of nothing and finishes. So I, I definitely think he should get his, consideration in the hall of fame especially with his xfinity and truck series um xfinity and truck series uh success i'd be i'd be fascinated to see how biffle would do in a cup car today you know with the current package you know like like you said i was going to say the same thing he was always very consistent at running up front but and you know with the increased emphasis on you know running up front pack racing not as easy as it pass to pass as it used to be. I could maybe see you know Biffle getting in the Cup car being pretty successful right now. Yeah, right now uh, he was great at pass pack racing, but I really think when we started taking away downforce and yeah, the problem, yeah. Biffle's yeah. faults his last few years is he was at Roush Fenway and Roush Fenway. I mean, around 2014 to 20, you know to even now they've they've really taken a step back from what what they were back in you know the early 2000s so i think if he would if you put him in a Stuart haas car along with kevin harvick like last year i think that package would fully suit greg biffle i mean he's a really talented driver as you can see he's done it in three different series and i think you put him in one of a better car in that in the low downforce package, I think you absolutely see him contend for a championship. Yeah, I'm. I really hope this could be the start of the start of something. I hope this isn't just like you know a one off or maybe two off races. I mean, I I could see him getting in this truck and and winning or making a serious run at it. I mean, we know he knows how to drive. There's obviously plenty of other talented drivers in the truck series. I don't know if Bubba's gonna Bubba Wallace gonna be running that race or not, but. I I think Biffle's going to be a force, absolutely. Yeah, I think it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see. Hopefully, uh, maybe in twenty twenty, see him uh, go out of the Thor, Thor Sports stable. So, kind of transitioning to Bristol uh, yeah. for this week in NASCAR history. So, April fifth, nineteen ninety two, Alan Kowicki won the Food City five hundred at Bristol. Unfortunately, that was a year before he passed away in that plane crash near the track. But Alan Kowicki kind of winning this race makes me think about an interesting era that I had the pleasure of uh, kind of learning more about on my trip back home from uh, Michigan to Indiana. I was listening to the Seam Vault podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't checked that out, great historical NASCAR podcast. And it was talking about kind of the owner-driver era in the 90s, where Daryl Waltrip kind of started it, 
driving for his own team. Obviously, Alan Kowicki was really the only success story out of them, winning the championship in 92, but also Ricky Rudd, Bill Elliott, and even though he didn't drive for his own team, Dale Earnhardt owning a team. So right. I, I'm, I'm you know, kind of uh, interested to see your opinion on this, uh, the owner-drivers, because it kind of ruins some careers almost, uh, this era. You know, you, you see guys like Ricky Rudd, Daryl Waltrip, and Bill Elliott. They were absolute studs in the 1980s, and they they decide to, you know, start their own teams and really just took a step back in their careers. Daryl Waltrip just basically falling off the face of the earth and making a mockery of himself as a driver in the uh, late 90s. So what's your opinion on this kind of owner-driver deal, especially what we know now with, like, Tony Stewart's success as an Right, yeah, like I, I certainly get the motivation as a, as a driver, you know, but from the financial standpoint, it's just it's, it's bizarre that we've seen so many of these, these owner driver teams have the messy endings that they've had, you know, the how the demise of DEI, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. We could we could do an entire show on that one, but you know, then you look at you know Michael Waltrip Racing and, you know, several years ago when they got fined severely and. It's just, it seems like the teams have kind of, or drivers have kind of shied away from it, I think almost because they've seen some of these failures that other teams have had. But then you bring up Tony Stewart, and you're right, he's he's had extreme success. Kyle Busch, I'm sure he'll continue to grow his Kyle Busch Motorsports team. So I think we've got the, the future of it is in a couple of really good hands with Stewart and Busch. Those are guys that I think are more equipped to handle it and will have a lot better success than we saw some of these teams that that failed in the past have yeah i and i think i think it's kind of like the open wheel to nascar fad you know it's just there weren't enough success stories to keep it you know as a trend but there was maybe the two successes really the one with almondinger just kind of he he last outlasted everyone surprisingly yeah. Him and Montoya really were the only two who kind of made it work. But, you know, with Stewart and Kowicki's successes, I think it it's it's enough to maybe entice someone in the future to do that. Um, I think Tony Stewart ended up buying that team from Haas or buying into that team from Haas because he knew he wanted to stay into NASCAR in a, in a form and thought that was the right um, right move to stay in there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting now. It's kind of interesting to think about what would what Alan Kowicki would have done if he would have ended up, you know, not passing uh, because of that plane crash. How successful it would have been? Because I mean, and Jeff Bodine had some pretty good success after buying that team. He won some races after that. So um, I don't know if Kowicki would have been ex- as successful as Tony Stewart. I think Tony Stewart's the outlier in everything. You know, the open wheel switching to NASCAR and the owner driver, but. Um, it's just an, it's a fascinating air era in my mind to look at, to see, you know, how many, how many drivers just basically, you know, took a huge gamble on their careers and almost ruined them uh, to own their own team. One of the guys you mentioned, uh, Ricky Rudd makes me think back to, man, this, this was early two thousands, probably 2001, 2002. You remember, uh, I forget specifically which track it was at. I was pretty young at the time, but Ricky Rudd and a young Kevin Harvick getting in a little fight. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that one. That was a 
that was Kevin Harvick's bad boy days, and boy, those were those were fun. Him and Tony Stewart when they were bad boys running around, you were getting some WWE style entertainment every weekend with those guys. Oh yeah, that some of the stuff about like the early two thousands in NASCAR was just awesome. Yeah, we need to bring it back. That's what we need. <laughs> All right for for Bristol this this Sunday, who who you going with? Well, you know, you always got to have ace in the hole, and my ace in the hole is Kyle Busch at Bristol. It's going to be eliminator, race winner. We're going to do it. We're going to go for the third time this year. We're going to do that. I mean, there's there's nobody better right now at Bristol than Kyle Busch. The guy's won seven races in the Cup Series. It seems like he wins either the truck Xfinity race or Cup race. You know, every year he wins one of those. Um I think the most impressive performance he had was last year when he got wrecked like second lap of the race, went down three or four laps, and then came back on the lead lap and was actually catching the leaders to you know, before it ended ended up he cut a tire or something. But yeah, there's there's nobody better at Bristol than Kyle Bush. And I'm if I'm a betting man, if I'm if I have a gun to my head and say you gotta pick one driver at one track, I'm going Kyle Bush at Bristol. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like like insert track here. Kyle Busch is just just dominant. Like a, t- a the tenth place finish last week is all, it's almost like disappointing. A tenth is low for him. I mean he's finished in the top ten of every race this year. And I'm gonna go with his brother though. I'm gonna go with Kurt as my winner, and then I'm gonna use the eliminator you used last week. I'm gonna go with Eric Jones. You know I didn't realize how good Jones has been in his career at at Bristol. In four four starts there, he has two top fives, led over two hundred and fifty laps, and an average finish of twelfth. I was I was surprised, but Eric Jones kills it at Bristol. So I'm gonna hope to try to ride that wave this weekend. Yeah, I know last year I picked Eric Jones um at Bristol. I mean, Bristol and Texas are his two best tracks, yeah. which is surprising. But yeah, he's one of the few guys that actually could beat Kyle Bush in the Xfinity series at Bristol, but yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, your winner, race winner, Kurt Busch, man, he's got six wins there. But mm-hmm. I think you picked the wrong Bush brother on that one. I'm I'm gonna say pretty strong on my Kyle Busch pick for this week. I I mean, I'm I'm trying to save the Kyle Busch eliminator pick. I mean, I know you're probably gonna win this week because Kyle Busch is like you know, like you said, he's the ace. So I'm trying to save it for later in the season. Yeah, I I th- I thought about doing that, but it's like you know, if you're gonna get the best out of someone on a track, you just you got to go for it now. Yep, so. it, it's Bristol, baby. Got to go for it. Ben, appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure as always. All right, we'll talk to you all next time on Drop the Hammer.